Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey, this is Jeff Zog from the Dad Awesome Podcast. I love the Crazy Cool Family, and specifically, I hopped into Basecamp. All of these resources, the video resources, the specific guides that let me put the names of my daughters and my wife, and just showing me visually, hey, am I making progress? What areas can I attend more to? So I'm so thankful. I want to encourage you guys to hop into Basecamp, sign up, dive into those first intro videos. It's been so helpful for my family. Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning and our very, very special guest, Julie Plagans. <laughs> and Julie has written a book called Estranged. Let's see it. Uh, Let's yeah. show the people. <laughs> there you go. And Isn't so, it beautiful? <laughs> finding hope. So really, uh, finding hope when your family falls apart, which is, um, and, I, and we've been talking to Julie and it certainly happened with her. And, uh, and so Julie just introduce yourself first. Just tell us a little, welcome first and tell us a little bit about your story. Hi, Don and Suzanne. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I have been listening to your fight series and all the other uh, wonderful uh, encouragements you're giving to parents. So um, I'm so excited to be on your podcast and just to help contribute uh, some of the things on what to do and not to do. Um, (laughs) um, Thank you very much. Sure. So tell us your story a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your background so we can kind of, we, we've already read through your book, but give us a, give our uh, listeners a little thumbnail version of uh, why, you know, how did this book come about? <laughs> With a, a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, sorrow. So, but I was born in uh, Dallas, Texas, and my parents were uh, in the nightclub business. They started, a re- well, my grandfather started a restaurant in the 40s called the Italian Village. And then my dad took it over when he was 23. My grandfather went out of town and my dad decided to turn it into a night part of it to turn into a nightclub without his permission. So my grandfather came back and my dad had spent to what's equivalent to like about $300,000 today's money and turned the part of the restaurant to a nightclub. And it was a success. It was a hit overnight. So he became an instant millionaire at 23 years old. So I grew up, um, in those, some of those years when my dad and my mom were big into the nightclub business, they traveled to Las Vegas. My dad was there quite a bit, Hollywood, and uh, a lot of the nightclub acts from Vegas came to my dad's restaurant. It was called Gringo's uh, back then. It was in the uh, 60s. It was a good 10 years that they did this. Wow. And uh, my dad eventually... I think my mom and dad were both just miserable and they had everything money could ever buy. They lived in Highland Park, which is kind of the Beverly Hills of Texas. Right, right. And um, we lived two doors down from the huge mansion. We had three maids or we had a cook and a maid and a laundry maid. We had everything you could possibly imagine. And they were empty and they ended up getting saved. And so uh, my dad pulled the alcohol out of the restaurant and it totally collapsed and it made the national news as well as the local news. It, you know, crazy guy pulls the alcohol out and they all thought he just got right. He was making like $50,000 a month back then in alcohol wow. sales. So you can imagine what happened after that. Um, my parents lost, they almost lost their house. They had to sell it. Um, 
it, salvation changed their lives completely, but my dad just knew he couldn't do that. So in the meantime, my grandparents were horrified and furious. And um, I don't go too much into my family history, but I will say that my family has a very dark history. Italians in uh, Las Vegas, you can put the, you can connect the dots from there. Right. Um, that did not go well with my grandparents and they disowned my father and it's subsequently our whole family. So I lost a whole half of my family. Uh, we were estranged from, uh, I was probably five or six when it happened. And uh, that was the first estrangement in my family. And I will tell you that estrangement is a stronghold mm -hmm. and it does pass down generationally if you do not fight for your family. And eventually it happened to me. Um, we had a lot of dysfunctional behaviors growing up in our family. My, my dad and mom had learned from their family what to do. And it was um, more of a fear-based parenting and, um, and even though my I would dad guess that your dad had a, I mean, it seems like from reading the book and from talking to you briefly that he had a pretty radical conversion. He did. Did uh, your mom also have the same conversion? Well, not at first. My dad was a pretty mean man and he was pretty scary. And so when my dad got saved, my mom was like, okay, this guy's different. And so just from him being different, uh, she started looking at it. And eventually I think about eight or nine months later, she was saved too. I mean, she thought he'd kind, kind of gone nuts when he pulled out the alcohol, but she supported him and decided, you know, I mean, they were drawing some pretty interesting characters into the restaurant. Right. So I think that she was kind of glad maybe that that, that clientele was maybe going away a bit, but um, yeah, it was, it was a very tumultuous time uh, for me as a child, losing our house. Um, I was scared. I was scared. I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend the night out because I, when I came home, I didn't know where I was going to be. So it was a very scarring time for me. I had a lot of losses. I lost, um, you know, the maids that helped take care of me. I lost aunts and uncles. I lost a lot of people. I had a lot of abandonment issues growing up. Um, from that time period of so many losses. So, but eventually, um, and I will say that there was no sexual abuse with my dad. I want to make clear that, up. but there, you can have a lot of dysfunction without that happening. Right. And um, as I was sharing earlier, my counselor who I uh, had worked at Menrith Meyer, he said my family was in the top three worst dysfunctional families that he had ever seen. <laughs> So um, I understand dysfunction. I understand pain. I understand hurt and I understand unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. And it, it took a toll on me. And um, I had started having abdominal issues when I was in about, Oh, when I was in college um, stomach, a lot of stomach issues. And then it just morphed as I got married um, after our first child, it really started uh, getting worse. Eventually, after my second child, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. It started small. It started as um, uh, it started as colitis and grew into Crohn's. Mm -hmm. And for your audience may not know what Crohn's is, I'll explain. Mm -hmm. It's like having the stomach flu, food poisoning, and um, any other. Oh, and an ulcer at the same time. Oh it's, my goodness! Wow. So it's ulcerations anywhere from your mouth all the way down to the rectum. And, um, so I got really, really sick and we've been married about oh, six or seven years by this time I had two kids and, um, I was not 
able to tolerate even water. I was not tolerating food. I wasn't tolerating anything. It would come out one end or the other. And I won't get too graphic, but you can understand um, everything vile that can happen (laughs) did, plus uh, a lot of blood. So there was a lot of bleeding going on. Um, And your kids at this time? They were, um, let's see, my daughter would have been in kindergarten and my son would have been about fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. So first and sixth, maybe. Um, so they were young and my husband was, um, having to work a ton of hours. He was in a very stressful job. He was a CFO for a company and he really could not stay home with me. And I just had to figure it out. And, um, so I was the point where, I mean, my doctor was like, you have to get colonoscopy to find out what's happening because I thought I was dying. And, um, so they did. And after the colonoscopy that the, the nurse came in, not the doctor and the nurse said, you have Crohn's disease, you're going to lose your colon. You're going to have a bag, an external bag, the rest of your life. And, um, this is not, this is irreversible. Oh my and then she walked out. That was it. And I was left alone in my hospital bed and just thinking I want to die. And it was at that point, that is when the scales came off my eyes. And I realized that I was angry. I hated my parents. Yeah. I hated my family. I was bitter. I had so much unforgiveness that, and I had contained it all in my head thinking that nobody else would know. And I tried to even hide it from my husband, my family, everybody. And it was that day that I realized that I could no longer hide it and I had to get away. And I decided that day that I was going to leave my family and my husband was not on board, didn't know anything about it at the time, but I was, that was it. That was the day. And, um, eventually within the year I did, my husband and I had tried very hard to have a relationship with my parents that kept one blow up after another. And he got exasperated as well. And we both decided to leave and we left. And taking our listeners a little bit forward there. So your, your Crohn's disease, which they said was irreversible, Mm -hmm. was reversed through as you started to heal mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yes, it did. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, I mean, we'll get to the whole story of how it happened. But today I take no medicine. I did not lose my colon. And my last colonoscopy, he said, if you did not have a small scar, well, he said it was not a small scar. If you didn't have a scar there, he said, I would never know you had Crohn's. And he said, even people with medicine, it's maybe a 10 to 15% chance that you would ever get rid of Crohn's. Mm. So I'm a walking miracle. Definitely. And I just think that just to, and I, I totally completely believe this, that are um, what we're going through emotionally manifests itself physically. And it so that's exactly what happened with you. And you're just like you said, a walking miracle of all that bitterness and rage and anger and all that stuff was just made your body just reject itself basically. It and then you turned around, you flipped that and you, and you started seeking how to get rid of all of that bitterness, mm-hmm. rage and anger. And then your body was allowed to heal. I just think yeah. that's a powerful testimony. Well, and what I, what I got out of the book was, is that, you know, a lot of times when people, you had to make a break from the, from the relationships that were harming you. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it was also you holding on to your forgiveness, as you just said, mm-hmm. but that break allowed you a lot of times when those breaks happen, people just leave them, they stay alienated. Right. But really you were, your goal with the break, if, if again, I'm 
don't let me put words in your mouth. I'm, I'm going from the book that your goal in the break was to be able to get away so you could get healed mm-hmm. and restore the relationships. And so yeah. walk us on that journey a little bit of how, you know, so many people maybe aren't estranged, but they have really difficult relationships yeah. with their parents. And they wish uh, they were estranged. Courage, maybe. So I feel like yeah. it's very courageous to be able to do that. Very courageous. Yeah. Especially knowing that you wanted to heal it on the back end, knowing that you needed the separation on the front end so that it could be eventually healed. Yeah. So walk well, us that journey. Well, okay. So I'll back up a tiny bit. Um, I didn't tell you that my, after my dad got saved, he ended up in the ministry and ended up being the associate pastor of two mega churches here in Dallas. So my estrangement and the whole family issues, I mean, we were the poster child for Christian family on the outside. Our family looked perfect. And, um, we were pretty much told not to, you know, discuss anything outside the family. And so for me to walk away from our family, it went against every rule, you know, that was in our family about, you don't talk about family stuff outside of anybody. Uh-huh. And my, interestingly, my Wait, oldest was one of the dysfunctions. Yeah. One of the very big dysfunctions. Right. And my oldest sister had actually walked away a year or two earlier. So there's three girls. My oldest sister had already been estranged. And then my middle sister stayed. And then I walked away. So two out of the three girls had walked away in estrangement. And um, that's that was pretty uh, hard on my parents. And I knew it would be. And I had so much guilt when I walked away. I never wanted to do it. I never wanted to hurt my parents. But I was pushed up. I felt like I was pushed up in a corner. And it was either my colon or continue where I was. And mm-hmm. I knew that what I was doing was not honoring to God and not honoring to who I was because I just couldn't be who I wanted to be. So, um, when I did walk away, um, we, at the time, and I vacillated back and forth of whether I could ever go back because our relationship was so dysfunctional. I wanted to go back and I prayed for God to help me go back. But even my counselor said the percentage of you, you know, being able to go back and have some sort of relationship with your family is very low. And so I was like, okay, but there's that, I think he even said 99% chance you won't go back. And I said, but oh, wow. there's 1%. And that's what I told him. So I had a 1% chance of ever coming back. And um, I thought, okay, I'll hang on 1%. And so the first thing I did was um, I went to go get counseling. The first year I really worked on just trying to get well and just having that stress down really helped for my colon to start healing. And within the year I was able to tolerate almost every food. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing. And I think it's part of that fight or flight in your, the amygdala that is in there where it's stuck. And until you can really get your brain to right. get out of fight or flight, you can't get any healing. And that was the first thing I really did was just get out of fight or flight. What word did you use? It's the back of your brain is called the amygdala. Oh, Wow. <laughs> That part of your brain is the part that's the fight or flight that's triggered. Right. And um, if you read uh, The Body Keeps the Score, you will understand a lot about childhood trauma. And that's where part of that is coming yeah. from. Mm, wow. So anyways, but yeah, that part I had to really work on. And I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I knew I was stuck in fight or flight and I knew I had to calm down. So that in itself helped me to start healing. And I also went on a diet called the special carbohydrate diet, which really helped too. Um, but then until I got into counseling, I did 16 months of counseling and really started working through my family issues. 
And that's where the forgiveness started. And um, I, you know, went through a Christian counselor and someone who could really help me to stop ruminating and to, you know, stop trying to control a situation that was not controllable and stop with the self-pity and stop with the lies. And, um, and I really had to address the strongholds, the generational strongholds of our family. Yeah. You also said in the book, you were a real people pleaser. Oh, yes. I mean, I jumped through every hoop that my parents asked me to do. I was the, all three of us were the golden children. We never got into trouble. I was never, I never once got drunk, never did drugs, never, I never did anything. I was the typical pastor's kid. All three of us were. And I'm sure on the outside, people were like, how do you have three perfect children? But we weren't, Um, you know, there was all that, you know, fear inside of us, because as you talk about in your parenting, you know, in your older kids that you parented more in a fear-based and that's where our, our really the, our family stayed. I just knew if I did anything wrong, I'd be, you know, next to dead. So <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I just didn't have a chance to act out. So, um, and I sadly repeated some of that. Um, unfortunately, those generational strongholds, you do what you learned. When you say you repeated it, you mean with your children? Yes, I did. Yeah, did that, like, what did that share a little bit about what that looked like with your um, the generational curses, which I've uh, totally seen that I've broken several of my own alcoholism yes. in my own family, mm-hmm. my own life. And so what did that look like for you and your family with this estrangement? Oh. Because your parents were estranged from their parents and now you're right. estranged from your parents. And what did that look like for well, you? I, you know, I, in fact, you know, my daughter even is working through some of it even now. And she said those seven years that I was away from my parents, she said, I was, you know, I was really fearful that what happened in my family was going to happen with me and my children. Mm -hmm. And she said, mom, you did some of the same things your parents did. You know, you were fear-based parenting and I was more scared of you and I couldn't come and approach you and talk to you. And, and so she acted out, you know, both of my kids acted out in ways that I feared that they shouldn't, you know, was trying to prevent. Yeah. And instead of having an open door, as you all suggest, and having a place um, that's more encouraging and inspiration, um, you know, we again repeated some of the same mistakes and we're going back now, even this morning, I mean, y'all are still having an impact on me, even though, because I've listened to a ton of your podcast mm-hmm. and my daughter's 23 and she's living with us. And this morning I walked into her room and I said, thank you so much for not being noisy last night when you came in. And she looked at me and she said, mom, thank you so much for saying that. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, I know as a teacher, cause I'm a teacher and I know how much encouragement helps and inspiration. And I did that in my teaching and I did that some with my kids but apparently the fear-based overtook the encouragement. And I have so many regrets for that. Well, uh, and so for a lot it's of It's never parents, too late though. Just to no, encourage you no, and no. all the parents out yeah. there. It's never too late. Just yeah. like you yeah. walking in this morning and telling her about last night, that right there starts paving that road, which mm-hmm. is which is powerful. It starts cleaning yeah. up those lies that we believe in our head about yes. what's happened in the past, mm-hmm. because what, what was is not anymore. And that's right. what we start. We want to cling to the good. Yes. And a forgiving is a huge part of it. And wouldn't you say that as you, you know, as you've moved from more encouraging to, to more encouraging and inspiring, what's been the impact overall with the relationship with your son and daughter? Oh, it's healing. It is so much better. 
Um, and I really started that journey probably when my daughter was, uh, went to college. So it's been like five or six years I've been doing that. And it's really reversed some of the, the curses and the generational things I'm forgiving and I'm teaching forgiveness. Um, you know, this is still pretty, it's, it's, and it impact, impacted our marriage as well. I can't tell you, you know, and I've got a book coming out about how this impacted our marriage mm -hmm. and, um, it, you know, this whole fear based, uh, thing impacts everybody in every relationship and how just in our marriage and in our relationships with our kids talking about, I love you. You're so great. And even the things that, you know, as I think you all have said, you know, things that they're not quite there yet, you just speak into what they, what yeah. you see, Potential. what you yeah. see in the future. So um, well, it's been revolutionary for me. So I was going to say, so I, I love what you, we, we talk about um, physical, emotional, and spiritual all the time. Mm -hmm. And I love how you pulled back and you took care of the physical, you know, right away, yeah. you changed your diet, you, you changed your fight or flight mechanism, and then you yeah. stopped counseling with the emotional. But in the book, you talk about what you did spiritually yeah. to come along beside you to help yeah. with that forgiveness, because we talk about forgiveness as a superpower. It's given mm -hmm. to us by God right. in our own strength. We actually cannot forgive because we can't forget. And yeah. so we're connected to that. And so we, we literally have to have the power of God to help us to forgive. And so yeah. what is it that you did or share with our audience, what you wrote about in the book? Yeah. Um, really, you know, I got forgiveness and reconciliation all mixed up and I had to define that there's a difference between the mm -hmm. two forgiveness is about mm -hmm. the offense reconciliation is about the relationship. And I had to work on the offense. I was estranged for seven years. And during those seven years, I had to really work on, on the offenses. Say that and again. I think I, I, I made it. I affirmed your comment. I may have overtaken your statement there. Forgiveness versus reconciliation. Say that again. Forgiveness is about the offense. And, it, and it's not forgiveness is something that is given. It is not earned. It's about doing what God commands us to do. And in the Bible, there's, I have looked and I have been a Christian most of my life and I have looked, there are no loopholes on forgiveness. I have been looking, I have been looking and there is no loophole. And so for any unforgiver that's out there from one unforgiver to another, God commands us to forgive no matter what. And literally, oh, that's good, girl, that's yeah. good. And literally the holding of forgiveness almost made you have to remove your colon. It did. And that's what I realized. And it took almost losing my colon and having a bag, an external bag the rest of my life to go, okay, forgiveness. I'll take forgiveness over losing my colon. <laughs> that's how stubborn I was. And that's how much I did not want to forgive. And that's what it took for me. But versus reconciliation, when you say, because we think that we, it's our job to reconcile with everyone. And, and God does say, be yeah. reconciled, but that doesn't, how do you distinguish reconciliation? Well, it's about a relationship and it takes two people and it takes a lot of forgiveness and I'm sorry. And it takes change. You cannot be in a relationship with somebody if they are not willing to work on the relationship. And it's two-sided. Forgiveness is one-sided. It's between you and God. Relationship and reconciliation is right. between two people. And really, we can be reconciled in our heart with someone, even though they're not reconciled to yes. us. That so is when the Bible says be reconciled, we, we can talk about how we can do that. We It's all about our heart posture, right? And you've been through that at a very extreme you know, way, 
How did you go from being completely unforgiving, looking for loopholes, to being <laughs> completely forgiving? Well, it took a long time. I'm stubborn. <laughs> and it took this full seven years. And I did not know. I thought, well, God's not working on my parents' side. It's just me that's going to, you know, God was so gracious. And I had to learn that God loved me, first of all. I did not embrace the fact that God loved me. Mm -hmm. I thought he loved everybody else. I thought I was an unloved person. And so I had to first embrace that God loved me. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the forgiveness. And then, you know, I started praying for my parents. And that's what really started breaking some of the unforgiveness is praying for them, praying for God to prosper them, praying for healing, praying for everything good to happen to them. And my husband and I both started praying for him. And individually, God had been telling us that we needed to try and get back in the relationship with them. And I was very untrusting, didn't want to do it, was very stubborn, but God kept just wooing me through the whole thing. And at the seventh year, um, at seven. Yeah. Number of completion. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So at Christmas, um, my husband and I both felt like God was telling us we needed to reconcile. And I was thinking, cause the holidays are hard. And I'd gone through seven years of trying to explain why we were estranged from our family. And it was messy. My family was well known. And, um, God had really been telling me you need to pray and fast. And I was like, ugh pray. Okay. Yeah, I can do pray, but fasting starve myself. Really? I've been deprived of food for so many times. I did not want to fast. I had been sick for so long and had gone without food so long. And it was just a really big struggle to not eat, but I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And so in January of 2017, I um, fasted and prayed on a Monday and Tuesday. And I just said, Lord, you know, my dad is He's an Italian. He's, he's, he, they're kind of known for being stubborn. Lord, yeah. talk to him through a dream. Cause I thought, well, he's not talking to him through the daytime. Lord, talk to him at the nighttime. And I prayed for a hellfire and brimstone dream. Uh-huh. You know, maybe, you know, God will get him, right? Hear him, you know. And so, God, in his loving way, um, it was interesting because I prayed this and fasted for those two days. And I prayed Monday and Tuesday. And my dad called Andy, my husband, on Friday. And that was after seven years. Yeah. There's no other way it could be than God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, interestingly, my husband went down and talked to him the next day and didn't tell me or that night, that Friday night, he went down and talked to him and they made peace. But there was no I'm sorry's or any kind of reconciliation that way. So the next day, my husband told me what he had done. He talked to my parents and I was like, what? You talked to him and you didn't even tell me. But so we talked through it. He said he didn't apologize for anything, but he wants to make peace. And I was like, gosh, I prayed and fasted. And I thought, gosh, this is a miracle. This is so great. And then a day or two later, my heart hardened because there was no I'm sorry's. And so then um, the next Tuesday we had Bible study fellowship and my BSF teacher talked for about forgiveness for 45 minutes and my chair was hot. I I really, I've never, I was moving around. I kept looking at my friends who were with me, their chairs, not hot. What did they do to my chair? And it was like, okay, God, I get it. And so I called my mom and we started talking. We ended up within the month having, I think it was our anniversary was like five years ago, maybe the other day that we, when I came down there and um, had dinner with them. So we were at dinner that night, my dad starts talking and he, fesses up and he says he has a, he had a dream and that's why he called me oh, wow. and I about dropped my fork. I was like, you're kidding. You had a dream. 
And that's why, and I said, I prayed for God to talk to you in a dream. And he said, yeah, that's what happened. He said in the middle of the night, I think it was like Thursday night, it was Wednesday or Thursday night. God showed him that we were in the dining room eating dinner and it was kind of more of a vision. And he said that we were talking and it was peaceful and um, mm-hmm. that, that, that was what we were all reconciled. And he woke up and he woke my mom up in the middle of the night and said, Julie's coming home. And she was like, yeah, right. Go back to sleep. You know, <laughs> the next lasagna, you know? And so the next day that's when he called. And um, so I didn't tell him at dinner that I'd prayed for a hellfire and brimstone dream. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was kind of funny though. I'm just, I'm fascinated by, you know, the seven years. And then I think this is so helpful for, you know, parents or that are struggling with their relationship with their parents Mm -hmm. and struggling with forgiveness, struggling. A couple of things I just think are themes that are coming out. One of them is, is that you sought counseling. I did. And that that really helped me. And also think about this was seven years. I mean, we think it needs to be fixed. You know, tomorrow. Yes. But yeah. I mean, you went through 16 months of counseling and really yeah. one of the things, even on page 38 of your book, you're like, um, there's all these things that you were telling yourself. Yeah. It wasn't related to forgiveness, but it was the like the healing that had to happen in order to allow yourself to forgive. It's mm-hmm. all my fault. It's all their fault. No one can really love me. I'm not worthy of love. I'm abandoned. No one understands me. I'm a failure. I'm embarrassed. There, it goes on and on. But I mean, all these things that you were getting from your parent relationship and from your life yeah. that you had to go and get healed before you could move on to be able to forgive. Right. Yeah. I, what I did was I really, I wrote down all the lies and then I made note cards with scripture. Every single note card um, had counteracted every lie. And I started reading those note cards every single day out loud and into, internally to myself. And I had to rewire the truth. And I think, what do y'all call it? Um, rethinking rethink okay yeah. so rethinking. yeah um i just had to rethink on and tell myself what the truth was and go back and and put god's truth in instead of the lies from the devil because really the devil that's his name his name means accuser he is the liar mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. you know the strongholds that i had to break there were multiple strongholds to get back to my family and as in the year in the fight series i had to fight and, you know, second Corinthians, um, 10, four and five says the weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we can take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. And I still do that. I mean, I, when you have a habit of doing that all your life, it is a fight. It is a fight yeah. to get yourself. And don't you find as you're talking so to people good. that are reconciling so often, it's like, well, and even within our own family relationships, within our, our nuclear family, mm-hmm. well, if my wife will change, then if, if mm-hmm. my wife will say she's sorry, then right. I'm going to go at it. But it's really God always right. directs it to be about us. It is. And, that's and that was the key to your right. healing. Mm-hmm. And so it yeah. is that you had to think about it. It's, it's, you know, our pastor wrote a book called Follow the Cloud, and he starts it out with, it really is about me. You it know, is. and it, it because and he's not saying that the world's about me, but our, our reconciliation, our healing, everything, and it's amazing to me how then you have broken the legacy with your family mm-hmm. that there there was a chance of estrangement there. Yeah, but as you flipped, now you and and 
one of the things I just want to encourage parents, we are all legacy breakers. We can all build yeah. a different legacy. It doesn't matter how bad it might have been for you. Anyone can break a legacy through the power of forgiveness and through the power of healing. Mm -hmm. That is right. And I, we're teaching at my church, we teach something, uh, a marriage class, and it's called one of our concepts is stay in your circle. And really, you have mm -hmm. to deal with you. And I had focused on my parents and their dysfunctional behavior and what they were doing. And I had to stop. And it was all about me and my healing and what God was telling me to do. And the Holy Spirit directly said, you leave them to me. Uh, is not your business. And so, and I will say, even since I've gotten back into the family, I've been in um, the family for about five years now again, mm -hmm. and there, uh, there's still dysfunctional behaviors. And I've had to learn how to set boundaries mm -hmm. and to um, go back to God and not be an idol worshiper of pleasing my parents over pleasing God, because I really struggle with and still do struggle with people pleasing. Um, okay, so I have a question. Yeah. Do you, when you talk to parents today that are having issues with their parents, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you get questions about it, and they, I'm sure now you get all kinds of people asking you all kinds of questions. You're an expert did, now yeah, that you wrote a book. My parents did, <laughs> yeah. And so, when do you recommend that someone make a break with their parents, a, a season mm -hmm. in order to heal? I mean, do you have a a criteria or do you have anything kind of, how does that work? Well, I tell people, and we did my, my family, my husband and I went to counseling with another counselor with my parents and we did try counseling. We tried, um, I would say, try everything before you make a family break. Mine was to the point yeah. where I was so sick that I had to break away. And, um, I would try setting boundaries and I did with my parents. I did set, I did. The counselor said to set boundaries. They kept getting broken. And I would step back again. They kept getting broken. I kept stepping back more. I would have less of a relationship, less of a relationship. And it finally devolved into nothing and where we just couldn't have a relationship. So part of the problem with me on setting the boundaries was that I could not hold them. I, the people pleasing came in there so much that I just would not, you know, I would say, you know, please don't speak to me this way. If you do, you know, I just don't, you know, I would give a boundary and, and a, you know, a thing that I would, I couldn't hold it. I couldn't hold the boundary that I set and that people pleasing was a rewiring I had to do. I just did not have the tools to have a healthy relationship with my parents mm -hmm. and um, they weren't changing. And it was just, it had to be me. So I would, I would totally recommend doing everything you can, but if you are so sick and you need to get away to save your life, I would do it. Um, if there's sexual abuse, definitely you need to walk away. That is definitely one that you just, or there's sexual abuse with your children, um, verbal abuse. If it's just so bad that you can't take it, you need to, you know, I think there's a breaking point and you need to pray. Um, I never recommend people to walk away until they've prayed. And I would recommend Gary Thomas, when to walk away is a great book to tell the difference between a toxic relationship and a difficult relationship. Yeah, we will, put, we'll put that in the show notes, Gary Thomas, when, when to, to walk, walk away. away. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously we're going to, um, well, do you have anything else as we kind of wrap this up a little bit do you have any other questions for julie for um what does i just want to know what does the relationship with your what does everything look like now like with your parents do you guys um, together it, 
yeah, I have a relationship with him. It ebbs and flows. Um, my dad has a brain injury right now and some of the filter has gone off of him, which has been mm -hmm. extremely difficult. Um, I have a closer relationship with my mom than I do with my dad. My relationship with him is intact. Um, and I do see them. Um, I do talk to him. I talked to my mom on the phone yesterday. So I have a healthy relationship with them, but I, do I have to set boundaries? Yeah, still do. And, yeah. You're, and you're able to hold them now. I am. I'm able, I have the tools to hold a relationship with them. They're in their eighties. Um, you know, my mom has changed more probably than my dad has been able to. Um, his health has been hard to navigate. Mm -hmm. I'm still navigating it. Um, it's not like when you go back to the family that, it's going to be kumbaya. And I address that in the book. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Neat to know that my mom did do the afterword on my book. Okay. So, and I've had their complete blessing on talking about it. Both of them have given their complete blessing. So, um, so that's, yeah. One, so as, as we wrap up the, the story and your story, one of the things we say at Crazy Girl Family is to, we have to be healthy, our best selves. We have to get, what is it that are Yeah, the best thing you can do for your family is present them the healthiest version of you. Yeah. And that's what you did. And so I just value that and I appreciate that as a wife, as a mom and as a daughter, you, um, and then, a you know, a princess of the most high king, you yeah. withdrew so that you could become your healthiest, best self. So then as you turned around, you could now come back as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter yes. um, and, and be healthy and bring health to the situation, bring God to the situation, bring life, light, and love to the relationships. And so I just say, well done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well Thank done. You. I mean, well, it's not done. been easy. Yeah, the hard you did the hard stuff, and so we're just Jesus. grateful for you. And thank you for sharing your story with our crazy cool family. Yeah, you know another thing I think about is you know you said you were the perfect kid, quote unquote, yeah. because you did uh -huh. everything right. And so often <laughs> we find with our parents, Christian parents, that becomes our goal to create the perfect kid that does everything right. right. And what I want to challenge parents to do is to look beyond the outside into the inside because within that perfectness quote unquote there was a lot of dysfunction uh, yeah and so and and i think that's such an issue that our christian parents are dealing with in that especially with you know now a lot of times it happens with the firstborn they are people people pleasers extraordinaire so if you're child is a people pleaser and you see that and you think oh there's nothing wrong because they're not doing anything wrong quote unquote right. check their heart out yeah. well, because it's about, heart. about behavior and that's not what we're going after at all right. we behavior is a byproduct it's the relationship that's what we're going yeah. after and so yeah. my, heart rotten. <laughs> my heart was rotten rotten yeah well and, and you say it was rotten because... i would say that perfect behavior is a red flag yeah. you know i would say that because they're performing for yeah. your approval they're not performing for your they don't want your relationship they don't even know how to have a relationship with you well yeah. and your heart was rotten you said quote unquote because it, and uh, that it was, you know, this will never get fixed. I will always be afraid. I can't forgive. I'm alone. You know, all those things that you put in here in chat pages 38 and 39, that's why you felt like, and, and actually you were a believer. So God had your heart, but it was just some negative thought processes were in there. And right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 
So, okay. So share with our people, um, how do they connect with you? How do they get your book? How right. do they, you've got a website, a social media, we're all on social media now. How do they connect with you through all of that? Okay. Well, uh, Facebook is, um, and Instagram and Pinterest are all Julie A. Plagans, P-L-A-G-E-N-S. And then my website is momremade.com. And then my book you can find on Amazon and any other digital platform. It's called Estranged, Finding Hope When Your Family Falls Apart. And it gives not just um, my story, but it gives tips to help you on what could be happening in your family and then how to work through it. Yeah, the book is actually written like a workbook. It has uh, discussion questions at the so end. In it's fact, it's such a, an easy read and it's an interesting too. Like I've read it and could have read it in all one night, you know, if yeah. I wanted yeah. to, you know, because it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's thought provoking. So you have to stop in between, but it's, it draws you to the next chapter. Yeah, it says a biblical step-by-step guide towards healing your family problems. So, so a lot of us have family problems. And, you know, and it's all just various degrees. You know, we, we all have issues that just in various degrees. So great book to, to walk through. Um, you, you don't have to be at the point where you're estranged. Right. You know, Family rift. Yeah, I mean, right. it can be just, you know, whatever the problems are, uh, mm-hmm. this is, and it really comes back to, as we talk about a Crazy Cool Family, healing ourselves first. Yeah. yeah. And, for, and I love what you said, that forgiveness is not about it. We don't have to have them act towards us to forgive. Yeah. And then you also said that forgiveness is, you, there's no option. What you say? There's no loophole. There's no loophole to forgiveness because it is a superpower that's going to heal us Yeah. And, and heal our family relationships. And I love that you have a You've been a legacy changer. So thank you, thanks, Julie, for coming on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we've been so encouraged and inspired by you and your story. Oh, and- I've been so inspired by y'all and, and how you're doing it right. And I love the base camp that you have. That, uh, you're getting parents to get on and it's free to <laughs> not leave. So good for y'all. And uh, thanks to all, all our listeners for listening. And we are out of here. So go be crazy parents. CrazyCoolFamily.com. 